Sanitarium, and we are talking about Alice in Borderland episode two. So, last episode, we met a couple of our principal players Arisu, Chota, Karube, and a so far unnamed businesswoman. We also met a student, but she might as well have been wearing a red shirt because she didn't make out of the first game. And of course, we had a mysterious woman that we saw at the end of last episode. And, thankfully, this episode starts with said woman. The episode begins with a view of a mountain range, and the woman we saw at the end of last episode is climbing up the mountain, which of course explains why she looks pretty buff. She manages to slip, but thankfully, she's tethered to the mountain, and we see a man yell down at her to focus on what she is doing, and he refers to her as Yuzuha. So Yuzuha is watching all the people in the city die, as we cut back to her being on top of the uh, uh, building. And she says to nobody in particular, It's okay, Dad. I will survive. After our intro, we so show the abandoned city again. Arisu walks up and gets into a car, but it won't start, and it actually doesn't even turn on, so it is 100% dead. Seems like all the cars have been hit with... Uh, uh, you know, an EMP. He finds one car with a bunch of rotten groceries inside, and he returns back to the rest of the group and tells them he didn't find anything outside at all. They are hauled up in a mall, and Shota says that all the electronics are dead. The IFC chips have all been fried. He says anything old will work because they don't have any modern computer chips in them. And he says that the fireworks that they saw earlier were probably a way to hide them firing off an EMP. Arisu asks why the phones are working, but Shota doesn't have an idea. The phone Arisu has then runs out of battery. Seems they weren't provided with a charger for them. As we've seen, it looks like they get a new phone with each game. The businesswoman and Karube, Karube raid a kitchen store. He winds up finding a knife and says he's going to use it against zombies. I mean, it pays to be prepared. The four of them eat a meal of plundered food, and the woman asks what they were doing when everyone disappeared. They say they were all in the same stall in the bathroom. She seems to question this, but they kind of move on and just ask her then what she was doing, and then we cut to her getting fucked from behind. The man she is with calls her Sayori. Nothing is seen, but we cut to his ring on the table next to them. She says that she was at work doing paperwork. She really, What really happened was she was taking a post-bone shower when, I, I guess we'll call it the EMP hit, and uh, when she went back out, of course, her boss was gone. Awful lot of infidelity on the show, just saying. Siori says the first game uh, she was forced to play, she was the only one left alive. And the Alive or Dead game was her second game. 
Arisu asks what game she played, and she says it was on the subway and they used poisonous gas and everyone was bleeding from everywhere. Arisu says the day everyone disappeared was yesterday for them, but for some reason it was three days ago for Sayori. He says that the vegetables he found would have taken longer than three days to go bad. Sayori says that maybe time moves differently here, but there's not really any better explanation for what happened. Chota says maybe they time-traveled. Arisu says that there has to be a game master running things. He says somebody is tracking their movements and killing them when they make the wrong move. Chota says maybe they installed a microchip into them. And Siri says she heard rumors of a European company that wanted to create an experiment where they would set up a VR space then create an alternative world separate from the real world. Karube says that they should be able to tell the difference between VR and real life. Chota says that his leg hurts, and it must be God who did it. A lot of theories, and a lot of them very possible. Because we don't really have any idea what's going on, any one of those could be it. Now, in terms of the tracking of their movements, they're all carrying a phone on them that is provided for them by whatever is running this whole thing. So... There's your microchip right there. Uh, in terms of like the lasers from space, stuff like that, I mean, yeah, you know, drones and everything like that, and uh, things being set up the way they are. But obviously, yes, there's got to be somebody that's running things behind the scenes that we just haven't seen yet. Arisu and Karube meet in to talk privately. Karube says that they should get into a game tomorrow, even though they have three days left. He says that Chota is in no position to play another game, but they can enter without him and try to figure out how to protect him. Arisu says that maybe they can figure out the Game Master's signature, because he reasons that each game probably has some artist's signature on it, and if they can figure out kind of what is related with the games, maybe they can figure out future games and kind of how they are set up to work, which is a, a good plan, honestly. I mean, you're you got to figure that, like, they typically will have something that links them together. Yuzuha walks up into an apartment complex to find eight people already waiting there with phones in hand, and she grabs a phone herself. There are ten participants, as the phone says, so I'm not sure where the other person's hiding, but we have a buff dude in a tank top who walks up and grabs another phone as another guy asks, Yuzuha, where everyone went. Arisu and Karube join the group. So then we are told that we have 13 players for this game. Flannel guy, who was asking before what was going on, asks Arisu what's going on. And he tells the guy it's a game. Karube tells him not to say anything as newbies will slow him down. The phone says this is a five of spades game. Our 13th competitor walks up and says that spades means this will be a game of strength. He introduces himself as Natobe. He tells them that clubs means a team battle, diamonds is a game of wits, hearts is a game of betrayal, and the number refers to the difficulty. The higher the number, the harder the game. This game will be a game of tag. All you have to do is avoid the tagger, and then discover cover a symbol in one of the rooms of the apartment complex before the 20-minute time load is up. 
If they don't, the building will explode. So we get an awful lot of information here from this guy. And it's good that we do, because yeah, it was it was a little little hard on those. But Natobe says that the number is how difficult the game is. So we know the first game was a three difficulty. And when you think about the game, if they see that map, it's a relatively straightforward game. Boop, 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 you just walk through a bunch of doors and you're good. So that's a three, which means there's an existence of a game level one. And I would really like to see how easy that game is for them. If a three is something where if you miss one aspect of it, it becomes almost unwinnable unless you're very lucky. This here is a game of five. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but still considering that, uh, I don't know if we're counting face cards or not, but this is about halfway difficulty, maybe a little less. And so I'm very interested to see what full difficulty is, obviously. But here's what we have. We have 13 people in this. We got Natobi. Uh, we got the guy in the flannel. We have a dude in a hoodie with uh, gray hair. We have a old and a young businessman. We have an older lady. We have a girl in a pink dress, a girl in a yellow shirt. We have a dude with a jean jacket on and a headband. We've got a, the big buff dude in the tank top. And then we've got Yazuha, Karube, and Arizu. Arizu, sorry. Now... We have seen that Arisu, Karube, and Shota were all brought over here together. The tank top guy and jean jacket guy look like they know each other. And the two girls, the pink dress and yellow yellow shirt, they definitely look like they know each other as well. So it, uh, it seems like it's not uncommon for there to be people who are, know each other or have interacted with each other before that are getting brought over here. So that's not so it's not like grabbing the three of them and entering them in the game seems to be that strange of an occurrence. We cut to Shota praying in bed, and Sayori interrupts him. She hands him a water bottle, and Shota says he doesn't believe in God, but his mother was part of a cult. Arisu and Karube helped him while he was getting bullied at school. He says even now they're trying to help him. Sayori asks how his leg feels while she starts to rub his thigh. Uh, hello. She asks if he is willing to die to save his friends. Karube and, Ar and Arisu look for a hiding place, while Natobi keeps following them. He says he was a real estate agent. He has played five games, and he's won each time. Yazuha heads off to find a hiding place as well, and the white-haired guy in the white hoodie goes to the top floor. He says he wants to see where everyone is. Buff tank top guy and his friend also head to the top floor. Hoodie waves at them, but they don't wave back. Back with Shota and Sayori, Shota says that she hasn't met anyone decent and hasn't been given a fair shot at life. Sayori says it was the same for him as well. He then remembers being in a cult, and he starts to cry. She rubs the back of his head and gives him some serious fuck-me-eyes. We see that everyone is at different floors of this apartment complex. It is completely open to the outside, 
and it sort of wraps around itself so that you can see across the way to some of the other apartments. The, the tagger is then on the move, and trumpet fanfare starts up. It's quiet for a bit until an, the elevator door opens up on floor 6. Everyone stands quietly in place as we start to hear loud footsteps. Someone in a mask rounds the corner where Yuzuha was, but she leaps over the side of the complex and hangs off the side of it to be out of sight. Flannel Shirt tries a few doors, but they're all locked. Uh, the young guy in a suit is then gunned down by the trigger, or the, by the, the tagger. He gets chucked down the stairs in front of Karubi and Arisu. They peek around the corner and see a man holding an Uzi in a horse head mask. The guy fires at them, and they all run. Natobe runs off in a different way, while Arisu and Karubi hide around the corner. Well, this is a game of tag where you definitely don't want to be tagged. Also, not exactly a game of tag. Uh, I'm sure that there is a different type of game like this, but tag, I thought normally you were it after you get tagged. These people are not getting back up and becoming the trigger man at this point. They're just dead. Sierra tells Choto she can trust him, and then she kisses him. And that must be the quickest switch over from tears to a boner I've ever seen. She then cries as well and says she was having sex with her boss while this started, and she hated it. She kisses him again and then pushes him down onto the bed. Siori says they should work together since they are both the same. She then unbuttons her shirt. Alright, so... I get it. By all accounts, like, Sayori was probably forced into sleeping with her boss. And she's now looking for a way to kind of reclaim her sexuality or reclaim herself by seeing this guy Chota who she wants to have sex with. And it's probably one of the first times that she is going to have sex with somebody that she wants to. Chota, on the other hand, though, doesn't exactly look like he's ready to do this or that he wants to do this. We also know he's a virgin. So maybe that's part of it. And whew, what a way to lose it. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting one, and, and I'm not sure if I if we're, we're giving all the information so far to understand what's going on. Back at the game, the Toby runs, and then, and then he gets gunned down. So five games in, six when he dies. An older businessman runs away but tries to escape the complex, and he gets iced by a laser. So don't go to bounds. We cut back to the room, and we are careful not to show any nudity, as Sayori drops her bra as we watch them from behind. She then places Chota's hand on her breast and starts kissing him again. He could at least try to do something other than just lay there like a dead fish. Again, like I said, I don't, I don't know how willing he is to do this. It seemed like he kept talking about that, you know, he didn't want to die a virgin and everything like that. But and like, well, here's your chance, bro. But it still doesn't, like, he's not resisting at all, so there's that. But he also seems, I don't know if he's just, like, shell-shocked and like, what's going on, because it was very sudden. Like, she just walks in and was just like, hey, by the way. And I'm sure, like, his leg getting hurt and everything like that probably doesn't help either. 
The two women who seem to know each other both get killed. They call each other by name, too. I didn't take down their names because they're dead. But, uh, yeah, so clearly these two were friends that were brought over. Sayori then tells Shota that she trusts him, and that's why she told him the truth. He then keeps saying, Holy Mother, and then he remembers when he was a child in the cult. His mother tells him to wait for him, for her, while she walks up to the cult leader and presents him with something. She is then taken away to go have sex with the cult leader. Everyone has a really terrible relationship with sex in this show. Siori at least feels like she's, like, now in control of her own thing, but considering Choda's relationship with the intimacy, I don't know that he's all that, that cool with what's going on. So hopefully we get a little bit more of this and we can get a little bit better idea of what's really going through his head because as of right now, like, I feel a little uncomfortable with his part in this. Like, I completely understand her part, you know? Shota's a nice dude, and she's, like, finally getting the power back into her own life, but in doing so, might be taking away someone else's? So, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see. Arisu and Karube watch the tagger, and neither can come up with a way to win. Arisu realizes that the tagger cannot see out of his mask that well, as he didn't see them out of his peripheral vision. Arisu yells to everyone that the killer cannot see clearly due to the mask, and they should all look for the symbol. Hoodie says, it's a good idea, but ain't nobody gonna help them out. Then Yazuha yells out that he's on the fourth level and anyone there should clear out. Hoodie is shocked that anyone would help them, and he seems a little more interested in what's going on now. Yuzuha finds an older lady and tells her to run, but she just stands there as the tag rounds the corner. Yuzuha leaps over the wall again, and the old woman is gunned down. Yuzuha climbs a pole up to another level as the timer hits 8 minutes. Only 7 people remain. Just Yuzuha, Arisu, Karube, Flannel Shirt, Hoodie, Tank Top, and his buddy. Flannel Shirt tries a door and gets fired upon, but he ducks and doesn't get killed, because for the first time, the tagger is actually across the hall on the other side of the building and firing from a floor up down at the guy. Whereas before, he's only fired at somebody right in front of him. Arisu goes to save the guy and pulls him down the hall. Of course, Karuba yells at him to not bother because he's going to get himself killed. With six minutes left, Hoodie starts to look for the symbol. Karube pulls a knife and says it's time for the tagger to die. Arisu says, that dude's got a gun, man. Tank Top appears and says, that the guy is 190 centimeters tall, weighs 90 kilos, and is right-handed. Oh, and he's a man, so they can definitely kill him. Says the guy is probably ex-military or law enforcement. His friend then runs up and calls buff Tank Top guy a goonie. He hands him a fire extinguisher, and Arisu notices that they both have the same watch on. Aguni hands the extinguisher to Karube. He tells Arisu to go look for the symbol, and Yuzuha, who has jumped down, says that she checked the fifth floor and found nothing. She leaps down to the next floor to start looking again. Arisu and Yuzuha both check doors on different floors as the tagger follows Aguni's friend. Aguni decides that they will take the tagger out when he has to reload. The tagger follows his friend, 
Anaguni doesn't stop the tiger and lets his friend get gunned down. Aguni runs up and sprays the tiger with a fire extinguisher, and the tiger is out of bullets, so he starts to fight Aguni hand to hand. He kicks Aguni in the face, and Karube runs up and stabs the tiger in the arm. The tiger then pulls out a fucking machete. He starts to swing it around and winds up catching Karube in the side. Aguni then drop kicks him. Aruse uh, takes a second to think and sees that the tiger shot at Flannel Shirt Guy, but since it was the first time they'd shot from far away, he notices that the door that the Flannel Shirt Guy was at didn't get hit with any bullets. So he figures out that this actually must be the where the symbol is. As he approaches, Hoodie walks up, and he stops before opening the door and asks why the guy was chasing them when he could have just waited. Like, he's got a point there. Like, why Why did you, did he? Like, he could have just sat there. So, Arisu sees that they only have three minutes left, so he has no choice to but to open the door. They walk into an empty apartment, uh, but they see that there is a closed door. Arisu has uh, walks up to the second door, but before he opens it, he hears somebody creeping up behind them, and he winds up shoving Hoodie out of the way as a second tagger opens fire on them, who was hiding in the door. Hoodie pulls out a makeshift taser and hits the person with it, but as soon as that person drops onto the floor, they shoot again, which causes Hoodie to run outside, and Arisu runs into the other room. He sees that there are actually two buttons, and the only way to stop the game is for both buttons to be pressed at the same time. This isn't a team game, though. This is a game of strength, so that doesn't seem exactly fair, but at least, like, it, it's still a winnable game. So I'm not I'm not getting too down on it. But it is a bit like, really? Now they, get, they, they, they do still have to team up, so if there was only one person left and they got to this point, they're just dead. Arisu yells that they need to get up to room 206, as they need two people. Hoodie is pissed, of course, because he's right outside, but he knows that there's a person with a gun on the other side of the door. And Yazuha springs into action. Aguni gets his face cut and squares off against the tiger. With one minute left, the second tiger walks into the room Arisu is in. He struggles with the tiger, who tries to aim the gun at his face. Aguni beats the living fuck out of the first tagger, and Yazuha heaps, leaps into the room from the window. Aguni finishes off the tagger, and Yazuha and, uh, tries to help out, and Hoodie winds up getting in there. He tosses his taser over to her, which she uses on the tagger, and she and Arisu leap and hit the buttons with one second left. The second tagger, whose mask has fallen off, is revealed to be an older lady who has a bomb strapped around her neck. The bomb goes off and sprays the wall with her blood. And we see the same thing has happened to the original tagger. They both were also in the game. That means that at any point in time, Arisu and his crew could be in a game where they are forced to be the ones to murder people in order to win. 
Kaobe hears a walkie-talkie go off, and he searches the other guy with the bandana, who was sacrificed by Aguni. Someone on the walkie-talkie says, the answer is in our hands now. Kaobe asks what he means, and the person says, the answer is in our hands now. Return to the beach. Kaobe turns around to see that Aguni is gone, and the episode ends with the guy on the walkie-talkie saying, get back to the beach. So, second episode in, and we've got a new mystery. We've got a mystery of what the hell this is. And by all accounts, the walkie-talkies that they're using uh, have survived the EMP blast. And we saw that uh, the hoodie guy has a taser, but he's clearly something that he created. So, who knows how long these guys have been kicking around, but they definitely seem to have more to them than just what's on the surface. I like the fact that we had a few more uh, people survive on this one. So joining our crew now, I guess, would be Aguni and Yuzuha. But also, uh, Hoodie Guy is still kicking around. And oh, by the way, the flannel shirt guy survived. We just didn't see him again after he got saved from getting shot at. So... He seems like somebody that they could definitely bring onto their side. And considering the way he was talking, it seems like this was his first game. So it does appear as if there are still new recruits coming in, even after uh, Arisu and the rest of his crew came in. So we have another mystery, and who knows if that is related to our big mystery of what the hell is going on in this. But uh, all in all, two episodes in, and uh, I'm really interested. So thank you for listening to this one, and uh, I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.